This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, April 24, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. India has made great strides in human well-being, but which states provide the highest level of economic freedom? Swami Iyer is a research fellow at the Cato Institute's Center for Global Liberty and Prosperity and co-author of the new report, Economic Freedom of the States of India. We spoke last week. The Cato Institute and Friedrich Naumann Institute. Every year we produce this annual report called The Economic Freedom of the States of India. Uh, how do we measure economic freedom? It's a methodology adapted from the Fraser Institute's annual report, which is called Economic Freedom of the World. That report measures relative freedom between countries. We attempt to adapt that model between different states of India. Based on that model, the state of Gujarat has been number one for the last three years and has been widening its lead at the top. It is well clear of the second state, Tamil Nadu and others. The reason this is relevant is we have a situation where the chief minister of Gujarat, the man who has won three elections in a row, he appears to be the leading candidate to be the next prime minister of India. So then the question is, the kind of uh, economic freedom he has brought in Gujarat, can he bring that in Delhi? Will that make a difference to India? Why has Gujarat been more amenable to uh, economic improvements in economic freedom than other states? Well, every state has a certain amount of freedom in what it wants to do. Uh, certainly, Mr. Modi belongs to a Hindu nationalist party, and he is not a classic liberal. For instance, uh, a classic liberal might want to privatize all the public sector undertakings. No, he says, I'll make them efficient and work very well. And he has the best state public sector undertakings in India. So, I mean, he has not privatized them. Again, I mean, he has a certain number of subsidies. He does, I mean, less than in other states. He stresses the importance of duty and, you know, providing the right incentives. But yes, he has that too. He has significant taxes on capital and income. So he's not somebody like Rand Paul who says just slash the taxes. No, no. So he's not that kind of classic liberal. But by Indian standards, he sees the importance of paying attention to the consumer, paying attention to the citizen. He sees the importance that, you know, if you have a sufficiently motivated bureaucracy urging ordinary people forward, businesses of all kind can take off and agriculture which is actually the business of half the population of India, that can take off. This combination, I mean, in agriculture, he has achieved almost 10% growth for a decade. And that is something phenomenal. It may be a world record. Remember that unlike industry or services, you can't create more land for agriculture. So that thing being fixed, it's like getting that additional growth out of the same factory, which really is something. So... Uh, there are a number of things that he has done, promoting irrigation, the promotion of public sector check times. It isn't that he said, I'm just abolishing uh, all government intervention. No, there was intelligent government investment in various areas, but a number of the curbs were lifted. Uh, so Gujarat now, there is an index of agricultural freedom that an agricultural economist, Gulati, has brought out. So Gujarat is number one in agricultural freedom among the states and on our own economic freedom of the states, in overall freedom, again, Gujarat comes out number one. And these, I think, are two examples of saying, therefore, it is a state that has good governance. You can't get to that kind of level of economic freedom without good governance. Are other states 
in India paying attention to this? Do they pay attention to this report? I regret to say uh, we tend to be very insular in India. Uh, elections tend to be fought on very, very local matters. Uh, so at the electoral level, you don't get that much comparison between states, though it may happen if you are a neighbor of another state. So in Gujarat, is a neighbor of a state called Maharashtra. So Modi will say, all the villages on my side, they have electricity 24-7. Look at the other guys, they are dark. So that kind of thing has a, a slight impact. So at the margin, it can have an impact, yes. Uh, but more important that when the elections are over, when every chief minister is asking himself, how do I get re-elected? The fact that Modi has got re-elected twice certainly stands out. Not only Modi, a number of other chief ministers with similar kind of approaches. So I think this has a spread effect, yes. Some of the measures that are used in this index, uh, as you point out here, proportion of judicial vacancies, proportion of violent crimes, proportion of investigations completed by police and of cases completed by the courts. You say these are these are just indicators of good governance. Yes, they are. Uh, there are many more, of course. Uh, but uh, I think it's reasonable to say that economic freedom and good governance are not identical. Uh, you can have good governance without that much economic freedom and vice versa. But a number of measures of good governance and economic freedom do go together. I think what's very clear is that lack of economic freedom means that there are a whole lot of controls, a whole lot of bureaucratic woodenness. Then that leads to delay, corruption, harassment. And that definitely slows things down. That is bad governance. Swami Iyer is a research fellow at the Cato Institute's Center for Global Liberty and Prosperity and co-author of the new report, Economic Freedom of the States of India. You can read more of his work at cato.org.